Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. So hello and welcome to another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that is dedicated to guiding you towards holistic well-being and empowering you to live your best life I'm your host Avik and today we have an extraordinary guest joining us please give a warm welcome to Ambika Devi Thank so- you so much Avik you know it's such a pleasure to hear someone pronounce my name properly <laughs> <laughs> it's just making me smile <laughs> so uh, also i'd like to uh, mention this to the listeners that um ambika is a renowned speaker author and coach with a profound understanding of the mind and its incredible potential so with her vast knowledge and captivating storytelling she inspires audiences and equips them with effective tools to transform their neural pathways and thought patterns so throughout her illustrations career ambika has delivered captivating keynotes participated in panels and conducted transformative retreats for esteemed organizations such as lee health florida tedx of aubg vedara texas and business freedom norway so her expertise has also been featured on various media platforms including plc the learning channel syndicated and public radio and new york public access television so her dedication to holistic health extends beyond her speaking engagements so with over 46 years of experience mm-hmm. and more than 13500 hours of study she has taught meditation to over 20000 individuals so drawing from her multiple degrees including a masters in yoga and meditation as well as bachelor's degree in astrology and fine arts she provides a road map to lead you directly into deep state of meditation so today we have the privilege of delving into the profound topics of self love mind body spirit harmony and the pursuit of inner peace with ambika devi so join us as she shares her wisdom stories of overcoming challenges and the essential tools for nurturing self love in our lives so her mission is to help people recognize that thought is the architect of reality and that happiness is our true nature so with her guidance we will explore how to navigate the churning river of thoughts and break free from the overwhelming weight of hectic schedules fostering harmonious ideation and clear communication and the healthy relationships so through her books ambika inspires better health practices for mind body and the spirit so today we invite you to open your heart and mind as we embark on a transformative conversation that will empower you to embrace self love and find the inner peace and unlock the profound potential within you so welcome to the show ambika thank you so much for that very warm and full introduction avik it's a pleasure to be here and thank you to everyone who's listening great great so ambika like thank you for joining us today and 
before we delve deeper into this topic, uh, can you share with us your journey of discovering the profound connection between mind, body and the spirit and how it led you to your current work in nurturing inner peace and the self-love? Mm. I was first introduced to meditation when I was six years old, and it wasn't called meditation. I was taken out of a public school where I was being challenged with reading because of sitting too far away from the blackboard. I was all the way in the back of the room in a very large public school class. And there was also an issue with my teacher. So our class had to either merge into another class after halfway through the year, or as I was uh, invited with other children to join a private school where they were beginning to start a brand new reading program. And it happened to be a Quaker school. So on the very first week, of course, kind of freaked out. I had half the year off because we had to start again in first grade. So that was one of the deals. My parents posed it to me in such a way that it was comfortable for me to say yes, because my only concern was our other kids in the same boat and they were. So we were all coming from situations where we were having struggles with reading and writing. And this Quaker school had a practice that every Wednesday morning, the entire school would go and sit in silence in a big building that was called the meeting house. So they didn't call it meditation. It wasn't a religious gathering place. It's a misconception to look at this as a religion because the Quakers really inspire everyone to choose from different religions from around the world. Also that year, after being able to sit for one hour once a week with kids from my age, first grade through sixth grade, in silence, we were also in this brand new reading program. So those of us who had come from these situations that were challenged became accelerated learners, not just in reading and writing, but also in other topics. I became really interested in science and really accelerated at math. I'm a very visual person, so I think that was part of it. And the new method of teaching reading and writing was more visually oriented. So I feel really fortunate that even though I started off with a big challenge, a big stumbling block, that I was offered this. Later in the year, because school started in September back then, in May of the following year, we had a huge May Day celebration. There was a large grove of ancient pine trees that lined this natural auditorium area, and we would sit on the grass. We had this big, almost pagan-style May Day celebration with maypole dances, weaving the ribbons around the poles, and these yogis all dressed in white, came out after we finished the maypole dance. And they started doing a free flow of yoga. I was sitting next to another six-year-old and turned to her and said, I'm going to do that. So there was something inside of me that knew this. A few years later, my mother began studying yoga with an Iyengar disciple. And she started taking me to class with her. The very first class, I remember feeling so comfortable and so soothed in the Shivasana posture of just relaxation after the physical yoga that I had absolutely left my body. I had that sensation full on of mind connection, being fully awake and aware with body completely relaxed. As I began to continue as I continued to study and going to class with her, I was always craving that moment. And still in Quaker school, I was becoming more and more aware that those sittings that we had on Wednesday mornings were exactly that. They were meditation. And I would ask my teacher about it, uh, both my my teachers in the school as well as my yoga teacher. It continued onward. I became interested in holistic health because there was something about understanding the mind-body connection that was in me. 
I wanted to become a vegetarian when I was younger, even though my family, this was not a natural thing for them and encouraged the entire family to eat more vegetables and eat organic. So again, this came in with me as I became interested in astrology and started self-teaching and self-studying around the age of 12, I began to understand the spirit connection. Zoom forward years later, when we started to hear the term in English, mind, body, spirit, I came to understand that yoga equaled meditation, which is the mind connection. Ayurveda is for the body and the physical realm around us, not just the diet of what we put in our mouths, but the diet of everything we take in from the colors and sounds in our environments to what we practice every day, what our schedules are like, you know, everything having to do with exercise, music, media, everything that we take in, and then spirit. I didn't realize that the spirit in the term mind, body, spirit equaled astrology till a little a little bit later on. But this is exactly where the term comes from. Mind is yoga, body, Ayurveda, spirit, Jyotisha, astrology. Wow, that's a great explanation. So this is where it comes from. <laughs> it's, it's a... It's a very great, I would say, like uh, not more people will uh, uh, know about this. It's it's a great uh, learning as well. And I'm also seeing that Ayurveda in the last 10 years has gained a lot of ground. Mm. Although I'm a little concerned that a lot of companies focus on herbs, which they are a big part of Ayurveda for the body. Uh, but what I want everyone to know is that Everything you need to be healthy is in your kitchen. And if it's not, we need to talk about what's going on in your kitchen. That's something I really love to coach people on. I taught holistic health at the university level for 21 years in three different states here in the U.S. And I came to understand during that time how important the mind connection is. Now, we've also heard about positive affirmations, mantras, prayers. We know at least about part of this or all of these things. I see them as interconnected, very similar to each other. The power of positive thought and reprogramming, reprogramming our mind connection is a big part of yoga. Sometimes we think of yoga as just the stretchy pants exercise program, but yoga encompasses all of this. It mm. does encompass and joins together with Ayurveda and with Jyotisha. Jyotisha gives us the timing and it is the science of light. That's what Jyota means. If you understand Samskritam, Sanskrit, or one of the languages that comes from it, even English does, but not every word in English comes from it. And this is to nurture our spirit in order to really be holistically well in a state of harmony. I like to think of harmony rather than imbalance because imbalance implies the rules of opposites. And it's best to back up from these and see the interconnection and polarity rather than to think of things as good and bad, plus and minus, on and off. I see this when people are talking about chakras all the time. They want to know, how do I open it? Well, it's not a matter of opening and closing. Mm -hmm. Actually, with the measurement tools that some scientists have created, you can see on a screen where they're allegedly located or maybe they are. I believe they are. They can go lateral. So when I teach about chakras, I talk about them being like sea and anemones that can move and change because there was one point where I was very off. I was not grounded. I was not feeling centered. And a colleague of mine who happens to be the co-author of my second book, Unfolding Happiness, had this program with the equipment necessary to clamp on the wrists and measure to see on a screen what's going on with your chakras. And my root chakra was way out to the side. And I thought, wow, that's what I had been assuming, but I didn't 
talk about it up until that point. But now that I've seen it and know what I was feeling, that yes, they they move. Chakras are anchors to the koshas, which are energetic layers. We think of the body and the ownership of the body, my body, I am. This is the small I am. This is the ego. But when we can back up and realize I am not the doer, I am not this body, I am not this mind, I am the witness of this body and this mind, then we can start to gain a lot of ground. So what I want to encourage everybody to do is when thinking about wanting something, whether it's a new way of feeling in your body or in your emotions or mental fogginess and cloudiness or just not having a spiritual connection. It doesn't have to be through a religion. I encourage you in the way I was encouraged to really learn from many different spiritualities and develop your own. Nature is one of the best teachers for this, to watch animals, to watch the sky day and night, to ask the existential questions of who am I? What am I doing here? What's my purpose? These all help greatly to set your pathway forward. And then when you need assistance and guidelines, yes, there are tools from these disciplines, especially from astrology. I don't know why we're still fearing it. It's like being afraid of a time clock. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think because it is potent and it is often misused. You know, when we hear people talking about it, uh, they're often talking in generalizations. And if we don't know our own starting point with the date, the time, accurate time with hour and minute and the location, then we're not starting from your starting point. So I use this as a tool whenever possible, coaching clients. It's not necessary. I have plenty of other tools, but if I have this, it does help with timing and questions involving things about what what's my purpose and should i be over here or is living here causing an issue for me because these things do matter exactly exactly true so uh when we, uh, so it, it's a great way to learn also and uh, there is a new learning uh, uh the meaning of mind body and the spirit also you have mentioned so from there um one thing is coming to my mind like in today's fast-paced world so many people struggle to find harmony within themselves. So how do you define the inner peace and what practices or maybe the techniques uh, mm. do you recommend for cultivating it? Ayurveda has the answer for you. The three pillars of health. The three pillars of health are lifestyle, which I brought up earlier, uh, which has to do with what are you consuming, your environment, the colors in your environment, your furniture, all of the decor, uh, the music and entertainment that you take in. We may or may not realize that a constant diet of headlines and news is not necessarily going to give you harmony. It's mm -hmm. geared at certain outcomes, and a lot of it is unwritten. Uh, also, advertising. Advertisements are geared at pushing you towards something. So wanting, wanting, wanting. Uh, this is all part of lifestyle. And then what happens is when we finally obtain that which we think we want or need, it's shiny at first, but then it dulls over time. So we have to turn inward. The second pillar of health is diet. Now, we get confused also with this word, Avik, because diet is not being on a diet. Diet is what is going in your mouth and also on your body. Are you feeding your body clean water to bathe in? Are you oiling it down with edible oils? Things that we buy on shelves with names of items inside of them that we cannot pronounce or have no clue what they do are not necessarily good for your skin, hair, and the rest of your body, your nails, your scalp. So it's important to look at diet. Remember what I said earlier, everything to be healthy is in your kitchen. And if it's not, we need to talk about it. We need to slowly, gently 
little by little make those changes. That's why going on a diet doesn't work because it's too radical. You know, people are trying so often to gather in all this new information, go and change all these different habits. And then as soon as they go off it, boom, right back and usually worse in their choices than before. So far, we've got lifestyle, diet, and the third pillar of health, that third most important to gauge things by is sleep. And we see a lot out there about how to get better sleep or why I'm not sleeping. I did create a sleep course to end sleep envy. That's the title of it, end sleep envy. And in it, I used a lot of the techniques that I've discovered because I can be a very light sleeper. So I did a lot of experimentation. That's also my nature is I'm not going to believe anything in, unless I experiment with it. If it's not something I need or want, then I will engage a group of testers for me to give me feedback or I'll interview a lot of people and ask them, have you tried this? How does it work? Because not everything is for everyone. So there's things to make sleep better. You might not be in a cool enough environment. You're probably not in a dark enough environment. The reason why we cover ourselves when we sleep is not just for warmth. It's to keep light out. So if you're trying to meditate and you're having a difficult time, maybe you can sit up straight. Maybe you have no problem closing your eyes, but you're fidgety. Try putting a shroud, a light scarf that can block out the light over your eyes, but keep air space for you to breathe and have the temperature comfortable. It might need to be a little bit cooler. When we meditate, the body temperature tends to go up if we're creating a lot of what's called tapas, which is spiritual fire. You might get a little cooler. You might enjoy that shroud to keep you warmer. So you have to play around with it a little bit. And so when we look at what's going on with my sleep, sleep will also affect profoundly our digestion. So if your digestion's not harmonious, then you know some of these things of mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle, diet, and sleep need to be tweaked. Exactly true. Exactly. So, uh, yes, this, this, I have also, um, uh, like, uh, understood also felt as well. Like when you meditate, your body temperature rises. So, uh, exactly. it can, it could lower. It depends. Yes. Uh, yes. It, it really depends on the individual because this takes us to the three doshas that are as per the Ayurvedic uh, philosophy. Uh, if you are very vata with a lot of air and space, then you tend to be cold anyway. So you want to be a little bit warmer. If you're very rajasic, uh, then, uh, which is raja, then you have a lot of heat. You might need it a little cooler. If you're tamasic, which is tamas, then you might need a little bit of heat to get going for things like exercise. It's probably a good idea to get your body warmer before you try to find the stillness. And so to do more active movement first, like walking briskly or bouncing on a trampoline, that's one of my favorite things. If I'm feeling kind of tamasic in the morning, then bouncing on my trampoline or putting a song on to dance to, and then I can begin to center and uh, find that grounding. So Vata is air and space, Raja is fire and water tamas is water and earth and then that just knowing the elements should help to make it a little bit more clear now it's interesting that we also have these elements in astrology so when looking at an astrological chart i can most often well pretty much all the time i i can see what your dosha nature is of course, taking the dosha quiz in my second book is going to nail it. And if there's discrepancy when things are close, it's always good for me to cross compare it because we also have our current nature, which affects what we were born with. Yeah. And then that takes us into kind of a new level of what our dosha is. Exactly. That, that's something really interesting. 
definitely and uh, so uh, when you mentioned about uh, this three um, uh, segments uh, the water air uh, fire water and uh, earth and water so uh, if someone mm-hmm. wants to understand like uh, like what category they fall into so do they uh, is there any way they can find or uh, they need to first start the uh, meditation and they can definitely feel like then they will be able to understand Oh no 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 you can just take a written quiz. Okay. You can take a written quiz. Uh we developed a great written quiz in the book mm-hmm. Unfolding Happiness where we uh quiz you so that you find your dosha your true nature and then we have a secondary quiz so you can see where you're at right now and this tells us the disharmonies. I like to think of it as disharmony rather than imbalance remember balance takes you back to that seesaw idea and yoga which is the big tree where all of this comes from these are all branches on the tree uh yoga wants us to back up and see things in a polarity so a harmony thinking of it as not one cancels out the other one is good one is bad the doshas in ayurveda there are nine because we have a dosha and then a sub dosha. Uh, in astrology we go through time periods ruled by a planet and uh, this is called a dasha and then we have a sub dasha an antar dasha. And so we see parallels and repetitions of patterns. You can see how these mind body spirit sciences all interrelate this is why I am trying to break the stigma on astrology. It's sad to me that it's seen as fortune telling what i want everybody to understand is there's no such thing as fate and i think a lot of people who practice different divinatory skills capture you in by making you think you have fate and that's it you have a true nature this is dharma dharma is your true nature we can see this in little children think back to when you were a little child you had very distinct likes and dislikes you didn't want to wear that shirt you didn't want to eat that food you didn't want to go to that place that person freaked you out or you really liked that person so we have this true nature you wanted your room a certain way certain color you were messy you were clean you were organized you were driven you were not you wanted to lay in the grass and look at the sky and imagine cloud animals this is all part of our true nature and so when we understand this at an emotional and personality level mm-hmm. we can then back up and we can also see it in our lifestyle we can see it in all of our habits our diet habits yes we inherit some of these from the adults the people who raise us but our true nature shines through and so we have to learn to accept it this is where self acceptance comes in if certain habits are not healthy and we're suffering issues as a result of them then it's important for us to understand habit habit changing techniques so that they don't become habitual that's where a great coach comes in handy and that's what i really feel passionate about helping people with of course i like to look at lifestyle i like to look at path you know maybe there's something you want to accomplish or achieve maybe you've been suffering for a period of time and you can't understand it this could have to do with where you're located we're not always born in the optimum place on this planet you know so sometimes moving is great maybe you want to travel maybe you've traveled but you got hung up traveling in the past and you're afraid to travel again but there's still that drive inside of you well it could be where you traveled to that's not a really helpful supportive place for you businesses when we want to open a business or we want to get a job with a company maybe we can't move out of our country but another place on the planet is better for us find a company there that you could work for remotely there's so much to it when we back up and we start to think of it exactly true so uh like when we're talking about mind body and uh, spirit so uh, there is a very common word uh, called self love so mm-hmm. self love is uh, an essential aspect of well-being definitely so but yet it can be very much challenging for many individuals to embrace as well so 
how can uh, an individual begin to uh, cultivate the self love and what impact does it have uh, on the overall harmony and the happiness when we're having difficulties loving ourselves mm-hmm. as a result of thought loops that are just traveling around and i'd like to just explain a thought loop first mm-hmm. a thought loop is a loop of thoughts so there are many thoughts think of a wheel with spokes in it and any one of these spoke thoughts can trigger the entire wheel there's usually a starting point i have a technique to take clients through this process and i have done it in groups it's a little bit more difficult and takes longer with a group than with an individual but it is doable and once we identify these thoughts that are self degrading and bringing us down then i help people to create a power phrase that will annihilate it instantly it's really uncanny and what works for one person doesn't work for another person this is a process i have to take the individual through and i use techniques from uh hypnosis and counseling and other techniques that i've learned from my clients just helping them through this process so once we understand some of our triggers a lot of times psychology calls it triggers but it's rare that you can find a psychologist that understands the entire loop and then can teach you a technique to undo it to stop it in its tracks my own journey with this ended up in my first book which is a fiction novel but the lead character tells a brief part of the story of my power phrase in a conversation with a divine being uh that novel is called Lilith. So once we admit there's a problem, which is the beginning of any 12-step program, we have to if we want to fix something or a pattern or how we're feeling, then the first thing is to realize and admit, okay, something's here, I need some help. Whether you're going to do it on your own or not. I see this harmony that we want to achieve this self-love that we're craving intertwined with self-esteem so there are different techniques of using a mirror an actual mirror not your cell phone mm-hmm. standing in a mirror looking at yourself in your own eyes saying your name even just standing in front of the mirror and saying your first name and then saying i love you But if you say I love you because and let you let yourself finish the sentence with different words. There are other phrases that I give my clients to follow this with. That's a good beginning point. We've also seen you probably seen I am enough. It's become a hashtag. Uh just writing the words I am enough and putting them around your living space at eye level and when you see it say it out loud stop put your hands on your heart in the center of your chest and say i am enough run to the mirror say your first name ambika i am enough i love you ambika i love you just this is going to help change the energy patterns it will stop that thought loop the thought loop will return until we learn how to train it out of us this is because the thought loops create neural pathways think of neural pathways like the biggest highway you've ever driven on but have you ever been on a highway where you haven't seen an off ramp for a while that's what happens with these thought loops is you miss the off ramps or there's construction going on at them and you can't get off when we start to create and practice these new habits we're actually constructing an off ramp so each time we get on that thought loop or that trigger thought and then we remember oh yeah i am enough and then we run to the mirror and maybe practice some of the exercises or a master phrase that i have had show up in my life many times over and it seems simple and i do have a blog article about it on my website everybody that you can read my journey with it it's so easy so simple you're going to think that's not going to work but hear me out it was introduced to me by a meditation teacher of mine when i was in my 20s my early 20s 
This was back in the 1980s. He was 103 years old when I met him. He lived to be 109. He was a Cambodian monk. He knew Gandhi. He was called the monk of green. He used to shine this iridescent kind of green light in the meditation space. You can read more about that in Unfolding Happiness. And he would get us all repeating after him, especially after we would meditate with him. We would have a question and answer period like a satsang. Uh, which is what that means, everybody, is when you're sitting at the feet of your teacher, at your at the feet of a guru, and you're learning from them, and you have the opportunity to ask questions. So if the mood got a little bit heavy, he would say, every day and every way, I'm getting better and better. And he would look at us, waiting for us to say it back. And we would say it back and forth, and he would start conducting us, and we would get up and laugh and dance, and it would become a body movement, a chant, a mantra. Well, this was developed by Emil Quay in the late 1800s. This phrase even ended up in a comedy movie, in the Pink Panther movies. The psychologist that Peter Sellers' character, Inspector Clouseau, would go to would say, every day and every way I'm getting better and better, and they would start saying it together. And it all started clicking. Wow, there's something to this. Zoom forward. I hear it also when I when I took the Silva Mind Theory training to become a Silva Mind uh, graduate, I guess you would call us, uh, practitioner. And uh, I thought, wow, there it is again. Now that person added an extra better to it. I'm getting better and better and better. And I thought, why? It was fine before. Zoom forward to last year. And I'm in a class at my ashram, at Shivananda Ashram, taking a virtual class about thought because I continue to study. Now, the, the hours that Avik gave you of my racking up of study, that's only from 2008. Remember, I've been studying since 1966. So there's more. But I'm, I'm only doing the clocked hours where I can prove it on the Yoga Alliance site. So the 13,500 hours, that's clocked hours since 2008. I am, I am going to admit right now, I am a schoolaholic. I am a studyaholic. That is an addiction of mine. There are healthy addictions, everybody. And study, I think when I lived and studied at the ashram, something really stuck in there. It's a strong neural pathway. When you stop learning, you stop living. So here I am last year in a class about thought and our teacher starts talking about Emil Quay. I'm like, wow, here comes the phrase every day and every way I'm getting better and better. And we talked about thought and the color of thought, the shape of thought. Swami Shivananda's words are that thought is the architect of the mind. That's where that comes from. And I believe this. I see it in my clients thousands and thousands of clients that I work with over the years of when they change what one of my past teachers who happened to be the first Reiki master I ever met and learned from Reverend Beth Gray used to say, if you want to change your health, if you want to change your life, you have to change your stinking thinking. So there it is again, thought. Okay. So here I am in this class. We're talking about thought. The phrase is there. And then the jewel, that pearl of wisdom is given to me. If you want to supercharge this phrase, add into it your belief and trust and gratitude to God. Now, I know some people are going to shy away when I say the G word. But if you believe in nature or a higher power or omnipresence, you can change and tweak the sentence any way you like. I believe in the G word. I have no problem using the word God. So this is how I say it. Every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better by your grace, God. You can put the G word or that thought of omnipresence anywhere in the sentence. The key points here are immediate, ongoing, increasing, and what you want, that I just gave you is a super secret key to getting your affirmations to work for you. If you want to learn more about that, then come to me. I want to see where you're at. 
And then I want to help you tweak it so that you start creating exactly what you've been desiring. Great. That's that's a great uh, learning, I would say, for people. And also, I'll just encourage uh, the listeners like... Um, please do reach out to uh, Bika Devi. So uh, if, if uh, definitely, um, if, if you want to learn more about uh, this thing, uh, she will definitely be able to help you with uh, all the findings. So uh, do reach out to her. I'll definitely mention all the links and everything into the uh, uh, show notes. Uh, please uh, check out and reach out to her. So uh, it's, it's a great, great learning uh, session, I would say. So, but before, but before there are a lot of, a lot of things uh, I would like to explore, but I know that time is short, but uh, then also like, how do you envision uh, a world where more individuals prioritize their inner peace, uh, self-love and the harmony? So what impact do you believe this would have a society as a whole? Wow. I, I believe that when we, can back up and look at the fact mm. that we are all, my sound just went wonky. Um, when we can back up and realize that we're all on the same planet, you know, we see shots of, of ships in outer space. We see the planet at that moment is when I send compassion. I send prayers I think about this on a daily basis. I think if you're a meditator or you pray, take a moment in your practice to focus some outside of yourself to the greater. There have been plenty of experiments done with groups of meditators. The TM organization does this on a regular basis. Uh, Lynn McTaggart has done it. I was a leader in a group for one of her year-long experiments and uh, focusing on positive thought and listening to a person of what their needs, desires, and wants are and focusing positive energy and watching people transform that way. So my belief and hope and prayer is that when we can all find this compassion, this goes back to what kind of diet are you feeding yourself? <laughs> you know, if you're taking in the negative, well, energy follows attention. So we have to be responsible for what we're allowing our attention to be on. Also, also, uh, sorry to uh, cut you in the middle. Uh, I also feel like, just correct me if I'm, uh, I'm, if I'm correct or wrong. So uh, energy is also something which they also do not understand, like what we are expecting. They all do not understand what negative is, what positive is. So whatever we say or uh in a maybe in a negative way or in a positive way it they takes it am, am i correct or wrong like oh you're absolutely correct and here's why and i do describe this in one of my actually my most recent um blog posts at my site and everybody if you can spell my name ambika davy you can find my site you can message me a-m-b-i-k-a-d-e-v-i uh so Thought comes in from exterior. The first thing is get out of the idea that the mind lives inside your head. As soon as you can see it as an exterior thing that you have a connection to, it's going to be a lot easier to accept everything I'm talking about. And also to give yourself some space and give yourself a hug that it's not your fault. You're being fed information. And here's why I said this earlier. I am not the mind. I am not the body. I am the witness of the mind and the body. I am the witness of thoughts. You know, when we get that sub-vocalization that yogis called, called vritti, when it's chitta vritti, when it is disturbed, that's why the second sutra of Patanjali is chitta vritti naroda. We, when we can find a way to calm and pacify the mind, and we can back up. I'm elaborating on it, everybody. We can back up from this mind disturbance that everybody has. Don't fool yourself and think somebody who practices meditation doesn't get that disturbance thought. What happens is the more you practice, the more you identify, you see that first reaction, and then you have a method and a choice to back up and choose not to re-react. It's the re-react that creates the thought looping. Now, thought comes in. 
Maybe we notice it, maybe we don't. It goes down into the heart space. It gathers with the element of air. That is the element of the heart chakra, anahata. And then it comes up through the throat, vishuddha chakra, space. Space is of the five elements where the other four come from. And so it is also this element of the throat, of this chakra, is not decomposable. It does not decompose. Think about that for a second. So the thought has now gathered air to accelerate it, to give it something to move on, comes up into space where it's picking up some of the particles of, of inevitability. It comes out the mouth in words, and then it goes back in through the ears. So not only are you speaking the words out to the world, out to another person, out to the walls, which still hold on to sound. We also have science to prove that it then comes back into you and affects you. So you are perfectly correct, Avik. Exactly. So it bounces back. Definitely. It comes back. Great. Like, thank you so much for explaining this so easily. And uh, it's required, I guess. People uh, must understand this and uh, they should also uh, learn about these things. So I I haven't learned a lot, but definitely I love to learn these things. And uh, slowly, slowly, I'm also learning a bit. And definitely when I read about your profile, uh, when I read um, the bio, so uh, then I thought of like, let me also do some research and um, it, it's it's extraordinary, I would say. It's, it's a great, great. So Excellent. I hope I've inspired everybody to go to my blog. You can subscribe for free. Tons of information there. If you're more of a visual person, check out my YouTube or my Instagram, most definitely, uh, or Facebook. I mean, I'm on all of them. And I do put information about relationships, meditation, chakras. Uh, you have something you want to learn about? Let me know. I, I want to make more videos so that you're happy and you're learning what's going to help create not just harmony for you, but for everybody around you. And what I want you to also realize, everybody, is that life is a, a road. And roads often have ruts and speed bumps and every once in a while a block. And that's natural and normal and part of it. I want you to also understand that you landed right in the right place. And it was like winning a lottery. We have, we have to have had uh, some harmony and equanimity. I am using the idea of equal here. But we had to have some equanimity as a result of past lives. I also see us as having thousands and thousands and thousands of past lives. I, I don't see this whole new soul idea. Uh, maybe some are still learning lessons from early on, but we are a unified soul. We are all one soul. We are facets on that one soul. So there's no such thing as a soul mate that's singular. We are all soul mates with each other. Exactly. exactly. Stop running around looking for your other half. We are all your other half. This is also the consciousness when we can all begin to embrace that. And as Swami Vishnu Devananda once taught, we have to learn to embrace the ugly. We have to learn. Well, Swami Shivananda, his teacher, also taught him about it, that we can't just love what's pretty and nice and what feels harmonious. We have to embrace all aspects of us. Because we are all connected to that greater. And yes, I'm about to say the G word again. Because God is that one soul that we are amnesia suffering fragments of. And when we can wake up from that, that's why we say awaken. When we can really understand that we are connected to everything nature provides for us, each other, and back up and see we are all in this yuga situation on this planet in the same stratum together, then my prayer is that we find our way back to self-love and through that self-love, because we can only love other things and other people that matches the same height and level that which we love ourselves. So we have to work on self-love and self-esteem back to I am enough. Every day in every way, I'm getting better and better by your grace, God. And then we can start to 
work on loving and send the compassion. Even if you don't really feel it and don't believe it, act as if. The way to change a negative thought, the way to change a negative pattern is first identify what you want, then want it like there's nothing else, then believe you already have it, then let it go. Exactly. Exactly true. And it's a great learning, I would say, uh, because uh, when we when we chant this, like not chanting, like when he, if he, if we uh, daily uh, we mention this, like uh, like I have enough, and um, the, the the quote you mentioned, so uh, it's it's a it's a great power, I would say. It's a, it's a power, and we are attracting that energy. So yes, that's that's the only other thing I'd like to add, Avik, is use your voice. Remember what I said, everybody when I was describing thought turning into words and how that affects us, well, resonating sound in our chest is very important. It, it Positive thoughts and sounds like love, you could just start with a single word and, and then he, let yourself hear it. Put the sound out there. Put your prayers out. Vocalize. Do this before you open your eyes in the morning. Do this anytime you feel a negative thought come on. Do it at night as you are closing your eyes and going back into that sleep realm. There are higher levels. There are more I can teach you in practice. This is where I want you to begin. Great. 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 So um, thank you. Thank you, Ambika, like for sharing your profound insights and the wisdom on nurturing the mind, body, and the spirit for inner peace and the self-love. So for the listeners, like uh, we hope this episode has provided you with valuable tools and the perspective to embark on your own path towards the inner peace and self-love. So always remember that it is through nurturing all aspects of our being, like mind, body, and the spirit, that we can create a harmonious and the fulfilling life. So we encourage you to explore Ambika's books and the resources, allowing them to guide you further on your journey. So embrace the practices of meditation, gratitude, mindfulness, and the self-awareness as well as you cultivate a deep sense of love and acceptance for yourself. So we would like to express our gratitude to Ambika for joining us today and sharing her expertise. So if you have found this episode valuable, please do share it with others who may benefit from embracing the self-love and nurturing their inner harmony. So as always, we value your feedback and the suggestions. If you have any topics or guests you'd like us to feature in the future episodes, please reach out to us through our social media or the websites and other channels as well. So thank you for tuning in to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Remember to prioritize your well-being, nurture your inner harmony, and embrace the transformative power of self-love. Thank you so much.